1: Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning,
2: everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Good Morning New York. It is Tuesday, June 23rd, a hot and steamy day here in New York City. I am your host, Vince Rocco, and we are coming to you live from Blastoff Studios in New York. A couple of news items before we start with the full panel today. An enormous brick townhouse in Cobble Hill, Brooklyn, suitable as both home and studio with its voluminous rooms, soaring ceilings, and built-in four-car garage sold to the photographer Jay Mazel for $15.5 million, according to City Records, breaking the record for the highest price ever paid for a single residence in Brooklyn. This new residence, a nearly 27-foot-wide townhouse at 177 Pacific Street in Brooklyn's historic district, is three stories high with a full-finished basement. It has six bedrooms, six full baths, and two-and-a-half baths, an elevator, and over 10,000 square feet of space. The annual wow. taxes on the house, which had a $16 million asking price of $22,000 per year. 10,000 square feet in Brooklyn, that's a big house. His
3: name is Jay Mazel.
2: Muzzle. Okay.
4: <laughs> Tuff.
2: <Tough. laughs> <Tough>. Muzzle, <tub. laughs> There you have it. Your dog may be – I love this one. Here we go. Your dog may be allowed at outdoor cafes now, but with a few exceptions, it probably is not welcomed at 170 West End Avenue. The co-op board in that building, one of the seven Lincoln Towers buildings on West End Avenue, has instituted a new policy of genetically policing which types of dogs residents are and are not allowed to own. One angry resident called the policy, or this new policy, dog racism. And
5: (laughs) (laughs) speciesism, maybe. (laughs)
2: And while it isn't unusual for a building to ban certain breeds, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of logic to the breeds that are forbidden, though the board says it's targeted ones that have, um, they are targeting uh, the ones that have a tendency towards aggressiveness. This explains why German Shepherds and Pit Bulls are on the list though that's not really fair to the dogs. Residents must have a veterinarian write a letter that details what breed breed the dog is, and if the dog has more than 50% of a forbidden breed, it is not allowed. Now, this, by the way, is also a building that when I first started real estate, (laughs) this is a side note, they banned smoking in the building, and so...
6: No, that's 180.
2: Oh, that was 180? Okay, they're all crazy over there. They're, they're all crazy, and crazy over there. there. <laughs> all crazy and over each there, but one
6: has an individual board, which is so interesting.
2: It's but what, but do you remember how long that that lasted? Maybe a year before yeah. they got tra- total tragic uh, whatever. Force that, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. You can, you can. It's impossible. Yeah. But this, mm-hmm. the poor dogs. That's terrible.
3: Well, yeah. the price per square foot is going to go down. I mean, especially German it. shepherds.
2: Hello, they're so crazy. They, dogs. Caninism. Some
0: have a history, so I understand.
2: Well, my little poopoo would, would not be on the forbidden list, that's for sure. It is no Buckingham Palace, but it's rather special anyway. Even the British royal family is getting into the business of pied-à-terres in New York. Queen Elizabeth II is now the proud owner of an apartment at Zeckendorf Development's 50 United Nations Plaza. The royal family spent $7.9 million on the three-bedroom pad. The unit includes 3.5 bathrooms and spans roughly 3,000 square feet, according to the listing on StreetEasy. The unit would serve perfectly as a getaway for the queen's grandsons or maybe even as her own getaway. Only, of course, if she decides to resign and hand the reins to her son Charles. Norman Foster designed the building and the Starkitech was knighted by the queen in 1990. I guess she feels loyal to her Starkitect. There you have it. American developers started dreaming about Cuba's 2,300 miles of undeveloped coastline and its expansive beaches. The moment Barack Obama announced plans to normalize relations in December, we're all going.
5: Yes, but a we lot are. must yeah.
2: happen Sorry, before me, those me. dreams can become reality. I'm going. For
5: that sure. is where oh, I want go. to take my whole business. <laughs> me too. I really think that's where it's at. I, I agree. And organic food 100%. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the State Department held its fourth round of talks to reestablish diplomatic relations with Cuba last month. If successful, it would be a step toward ending the U.S. embargo in place since 1962 and toward opening the floodgates for development. The embargo is a key obstacle because it must be lifted by Congress, and the politics of lifting it would be difficult to conquer, especially with the 2016 presidential election campaign already underway. It is also still unclear how foreign investment will be handled. Cuban law prohibits foreigners from owning land, which means that partnerships or other arrangements would likely be required before U.S.-backed development could move forward. And I thought it was interesting to report that story because I wasn't aware that foreigners could not own land. yes. Or businesses in Cuba, and hopefully with this <clears throat> lift of of whatever we can get into um, business but what in a that lot of people area. are
5: already doing um, real estate investors specifically are they're building relationships in Cuba with people on the ground, um, some are taking the route of you know being sort of partnering up with artists and those sorts of people who want their art to be shown elsewhere. Others are doing it with local business people. But, yeah, I mean that's exactly what's happening Spark. is it's about partnerships.
2: Yep, and then within the next five years, I predict you're going to see a lot of changes in that little beautiful island. Yeah, we need to uh, get, on it, say, get on it now. Get ahead. on it now. Get on it now.
0: I usually rock this perspective. I, my breath is close to held and my mm-hmm. hands are in prayer. Yep, that Cuba- Agreed is dealt with respectfully. I and agree. with discernment mm-hmm. and with vision and with consciousness because it could end up like every other place that's been yep. having a long hard time yep. and destroyed. Yep. Those who've lived their lives there and generations and generations of untouched. It's one of the yep. only un yep. could get Raped. I, was just I going, said the word. But, you know, I want to throw up at the development. I want to throw up at all of those that are pouncing. Because cool. I just pray <laughs> that everyone... Well, I pray do you for really something... Feel, Ivy? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Cuba is one of my favorite places on Earth. She left out yes. passion before when yes. she was running down. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's just... Mm, they're such beautiful people if I'm yes. going to play favoritism the music is some of the Amazing. most extraordinary the yep. food is gorgeous yep. they're history so you know how yes, I feel about real. history It's I just am f- afraid it's all going to get erased but here's the and big everything new is going to get built and-
5: I hope that the fact that Castro when he first actually turned to communism this is speaking of history he actually wanted communism to represent be represented in its purest purest form not in the way that it was getting done in eastern europe right so which is a he big really was yes yeah, so he really was trying <clears throat> to create a different sort of laboratory if you will and unfortunately didn't work because of the red scare and so cuba then unfortunately had to get the help of russia and at the time then it turned into the same sort of communism a bit yep, yep. and it was more of a political maneuver Mm-hmm. However, the vision – the vision was much more rightfully geared and so all we can hope for is that vision still sort of exists in the culture and that what will happen is that they will deal with Cuba. Cubans will deal with Cuba in a rightful right. way but we, and in the way that doesn't get destroyed. And I hope <clears throat> that Cuba becomes the next Tulum. We know. That's my hope. Uh, we mo- right. that's my we hope. know what money And that's money, why we have we to get involved now. But that's what why are so people long, like us need so to get down. involved now. Yeah.
2: Well, well said, and I believe and I believe that that's exactly what may happen, and I hope that we have a second. Obviously, a hot-button
0: topic. I say we do a show on we're,
2: it. We're, <laughs> we're going to, but moving right along, Roberta Flack, the legendary singer responsible for hits like Killing Me Softly and The First Time I Ever Saw Your Face, listed her apartment in the Dakota, the Dakota apartments oh, here in New York yeah. City, yeah. for wow. $9.5 million. Flack has lived in the storied Upper West Side building at 1 West 72nd Street, For nearly 40 years with John Lennon, Yoko Ono, Leonard Bernstein, Lauren Bacall and others as neighbors at various points, according to the New York Daily News. Um, I know that building very well. One of my best friends grew up there and Mm. it's extraordinary what goes Mm. on in that building. Beatles' son, Sean Lennon, talking about the Dakota, issued a blanket denial in response to legal claims by his neighbors, the parents of actress Marissa Tomei, that a 24-inch diameter, 60-foot tall, rotting tree on his property is invading their Greenwich Village townhouse. Such trauma these people have. (laughs) Lennon Lennon admits to the tree's existence in the front yard of his West 13th Street (laughs) home, but denies Gary and Addie Tomei's allegations that it has cracked their stoop, broken their iron railings, And even crept into their basement floor oh my
5: god the
2: two-bedroom two-bathroom apartment features fireplace whoops sorry about that um yeah into whatever period period the end oh here it is (laughs) sorry wrong page lennon says quote if there is a problem with a giant tree it's the tome's own fault because it's invading their property not his Uh oh
0: (laughs) i don't know about that one (laughs)
2: whatever lennon's asking the court to toss out the suit And he wants the Tomei's to pay his attorney fees. <laughs> <laughs> you
6: know, <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> <a baby. laughs> absolutely unbelievable. <laughs>
2: and finally, earlier this week, Donald Trump. <laughs>
6: Oh, Sorry yeah. about that. God,
5: let's not go there. The famous Listen, escalator I, I, slide. Never get, I never
2: get political, but I read this story and I have to, oh, um, come I have on. to report let's it. Let's go there. So finally, <laughs> Donald Trump announced his bid for presidency, which he was met with plenty of criticism and mockery. But the best and sassiest response came from none other than Cher. The 69 year old oh, icon I took to her. Twitter. She's- To express her thoughts about the billionaire's investors' big news and she didn't hold back, she said, quote, Donald Trump's ego is so inflated, he might as well be the Hindenburg. In the dictionary, (laughs) he belongs next to obnoxious asshole. And there you have it. So says Cher.
6: Oh. <laughs>
2: it will be entertaining. I'm not taking it sides. It will be entertaining. It is what it is. You Good see, morning, Jon Stewart. You know
0: guys, All but went winning. to his knees and said, I cannot thank Donald Trump enough <laughs> <laughs> for giving my final five weeks. Said <laughs> like Joy. The door to heaven has been opened. It yeah. is comedy heaven.
2: Yeah. Well, listen, you know what? Uh, he, he is entitled to run for president as anybody else is in this world. Right. I'm not passing any judgment. It's I just scary. thought. Yeah, that. but you it's know what's so, yeah. what's so scary?
5: What's yeah. so scary? Is we were in Connecticut uh this past weekend, and somebody at a just a local bar brought up the conversation, like, hey, do you know that Donald Trump just, you know, said that he's going to run for president? And about four people were like, Yeah, that's awesome. That's who we need. And I I sincerely thought that I had just like died and gone to hell. Like I did not understand what just happened. I looked around and I was like, oh, I didn't realize that they weren't raising this issue in mockery the way we do. And it was interesting to recognize how, you know, during the second time that George Bush ran for presidency, let's just put it that way, the junior guy, um, I thought there was no Picture chance that he cut. could win. <laughs> yeah. There was no chance he could win. And he did. Oh, I You know? I knew so he would. I feel like in New Just York like we Reagan, are. The actor wasn't yeah, going to win. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But we are so out of touch sometimes with mm-hmm. the rest of the country yeah. and their sort of innocent point of view on who they think are these big people who've done such great things in business. That's not what they're thinking. Right. They're not. Sorry. No, what do you think that they're thinking? I know what they're thinking because I talked to them. Yes? <laughs> what are they thinking?
6: They're, they're actually thinking that we are still having major economic problems and they're not talking foreign affairs. They're right. not talking any other issues. Right. These people are only thinking economics. Right. right. And they're it's thinking – Like Bloomberg for New York City. What, exactly. Right. And right. That's exa- same, same. I was just going to say right. that. Yep. And that's how they view it. They're not wow. looking at, at outside issues. Yeah just economics. And they think
5: that somebody like that who's a great business yeah, person do, in their mind do would do a great job. The what they will have the large think.
0: support because Donald Trump mm-hmm. is not a puppet. And every many of the people you've mentioned mm-hmm. were. They did right. exactly what they said. Mm-hmm. They did what they were told. Right, And so there was, there's really a void there That's right. in Bush right. Jr. There's his father was much wiser, right. but there's, Absolutely. we could bring a number of presidents okay. up. There's a couple things that win. either, you know, like the love and the vision and the brilliance and the charm of Clinton won the nation. Okay. This is of course, my opinion, my perspective, mm-hmm. he won because of the man that he is like Kennedy won way back. But now, you mm-hmm. know, we either have these leaders, potential great leaders, or we have the puppet men. Trump ain't a puppet man. So, in my view, ain't no way he'd ever in a billion years win, no matter how many people are watching the reality show and think he's a hot man. Something
2: to be said for waxing political. But on that note, we have to take a break. You are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away.
1: Visit Blue Realty Group.com. That's BLU Realty Group.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll free in North America at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back and we're talking to my
2: esteemed panel, Perul Brombat, Niall Lundgren. Rachel Altshuler, Ivy Ray, and Deborah Hoffman. Good morning, officially, to everyone. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. morning. Wow. <laughs> and that's on a hot, steamy morning here in New York. Isn't that something?
5: Apparently, we were hot and steamy today <laughs> because of it.
2: <laughs> and what people outside the studio don't know, that it's hot and steamy in here as well. <laughs> yeah. I don't know no that's air about. flowing. And that keeps us, I guess, on yeah. our on our marks. Anyway, so how is everybody this week? Doing all right. Good. Yes. Doing all right? Good.
5: Absolutely. <laughs>
0: Rachel's laughing so hard she can't get her mouth moving.
3: It's I don't know it, what it is about summer. The heat brings out the worst. I am noticing in does. the past few weeks. I don't know if everyone just wants to be in summer mode and they don't want to do what they need to do as far as their real job.
2: You know what I think it is. But
3: that's what's going on. Well, yeah.
2: I hear that, but I think you know it's only what June twenty third, and mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm already thinking. So when is summer starting? I mean, it's already hot. It's already you know whatever. Isn't
0: the solstice was last night?
2: yesterday sunday 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 Sunday. Sunday. but it's like i'm waiting for like because for me summer is not really until like july and august so it's kind of like okay let's get to july let's get to august let's get to you know summer let's get to whatever so but yet it's still hot and everybody's sort of i think checked out this past week attorneys and
3: managing agents are are gone fridays and mondays so it's really kind of four day. so everyone complains and where's the contract why isn't this being done and it's our job to manage their expectations and kind of say okay Nothing, no, no games are being played. Nothing's happening. Everyone right. moves slower now. By
2: the way, that it's, issue you had last week with the managing agent is yeah. that uh, cleared up yet? Yes, I don't know. Cleared, up cleared up finally.
3: Up. Because Good. you know it may take two and a half weeks to
6: do something that should take twenty four hours, but mm-hmm. that's the reality.
2: I just don't understand it. it.
6: It's interesting too because you ask any police department in any city in the country, and they'll tell you once the heat rises, the crime rate rises. Yes. Mm-hmm. People have a very hard time with. Um, severe heat. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking it's also affecting our managing agents, our attorneys, who mm-hmm. sometimes can be hot-headed to begin with, yes. our buyers and sellers, where it's very passionate what they're doing. You know, mm-hmm. this is their home we're dealing with. I think everybody so, needs to
5: eat more curry and drink chai.
2: I was just going to say, I have Go severe reactions <laughs> to the heat, too. Go I really paleo. can't take hey, the heat, yeah. so mm-hmm. what crime no am I going to be right committing out. because <laughs> right. the heat is too strong? It's like, really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't get that, but whatever.
6: No, it's, it's the way people react to each
2: other. You're the buyers, the sellers
6: and it, it's a passionate thing with them. So it's going to get even worse or more intensified I think. So you know what? We with. haven't
0: gotten in a yeah. groove too. So I will say erratic circumstances, erratic people, people that mm. don't like have a sense of balance and are mm-hmm. kind of really mm-hmm. you know, sort of in the middle of themselves. The weather has been difficult. And so, for a lot of people, it's hard. It's freezing. I walked home from the park the other night. My teeth were chattering because I freezing. had shorts. Well, yeah, it was cold. it's been I so weird. The weather's All
2: I a say is, on. girls, 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 <laughs> girls,
0: girls. <Freezing. laughs> No, know. it was chilly the other night. My teeth were chattering. Right, I was right. laughing at myself. But then the next day it was ninety. Yeah. So until we <clears> level out, people are just like all kind of
2: combusted. My teeth haven't been chattering since February. I don't Me know too. Today. I'm <laughs> still sweating. At all night. Right, so wait a minute. Here, I, I have to, before we get into our hot topic. I have to do a taxi because you know I had. Oh, oh yes, we love
0: story of, events.
2: Go. Vince's taxi ram. do taxi All right, but wait a minute. But here's the thing. This is this is multiple rants. It's because ever since the ah. hot weather started two <laughs> yeah. weeks ago, every time I get into a taxi cab, every time – and I can see it like as they're approaching. The windows are rolled down. It's what 90 happens, degrees. Vince? It's steamy. And so I get in and I'm rushing up, you know, wherever and I said, um, why please? is the air conditioning not on in the car? They start mumbling. Do you want it on? Yes. They put it on fan oh. speed one. Hot air comes out. I said, okay, so I'm sitting in the back seat, dude. I can't feel the the fan speed one back here. Can you please raise the air conditioning? Mm -hmm. Well, let's try closing the windows. Oh, okay. So they get annoyed because you've got to close the windows. End of the day – I tell you, it's not one cab driver. The past two weeks, it's every taxi driver in town doesn't put the air conditioning on. Do they think that they're burning too much gas yes. by wanting yes. yes. air conditioning? Yes, that's what it is. That's what it is. I, thought it, I is. thought it was
6: something completely different.
1: They're making different. less money. Yeah. They're it's making the- less
0: money, and they're not running. The one air guy actually like said to me, that? he
2: says, "You know what, Mister? I sit in the front seat and I'm cold." He said, "You all sit in the back seat." I said, "Well, that's not my problem." Steaming hot. Oh, wow. Cut the yeah. vents in the back seat, that's and you want the service? Yes,
6: thank you. It's an immigrant mentality. It's really interesting, interesting, but I thought it was something completely different because if you've been to any other country, whether it's someplace in Europe or in India or any place where they have different kinds of air conditioning, they all complain about the freezing American air conditioning. It's true. That I'm thinking that most of the cab drivers are recent immigrants wherever they're coming from. And they probably have that same, what they think, as these crazy Americans with their freezing air conditioning. Hey, you know,
5: being an immigrant child, I will say two things. One is um, absolutely – I just last night was commenting on why is it that the AC is up so much that it's colder indoors in the summertime Mm -hmm. than – winter. Yeah. Like why, why isn't there yeah. a, like a, like an average point that we keep indoor temperature year round? It drives me nuts. <laughs> I'm, always cold. Come I'm always to Jet's cold. House. I don't use the need seat a seat second, it's yeah. 110 the second, And then it's only at 70. But the second 70. part of it is also that I think that there's an immigrant mentality of um, how to save money. It's about every penny saved is right. every penny earned. Mm-hmm. And that is how immigrants come to this country become successful they're you know they might be driving a cab but their most of their children if you have these conversations are doctors i mean it yeah. is crazy what people can do within 15 20 years of being Absolutely in this country and sa- saving every penny so that becomes correct. their mindset so it is of- from us. you get Vince from the
4: sitting in
6: the
2: back seat sweating <laughs> like, like a <laughs> <dad laughs> hey, madman <laughs> i have an appointment to get to and i got yeah. a suit and tie come on, on. Are
5: you crazy you yeah
2: all right, let's move on to hot topic. So, approximately
4: real estate, <laughs> estate. is not a funny
2: thing. Approximately 100 buildings in Manhattan have land or ground leases according to several experts in the real estate industry, mostly in Battery Park City as we all know. They are mostly co-ops, although the list does include some condominiums. These buildings tend to have high monthly carrying charges because of the rental payments uh, for the land, and as the co-ops do not pay real estate taxes, shareholders cannot deduct as much from income taxes as shareholders and typical co-ops do. In New York, many land lease co-ops date to the late 1960s and early 70s when the market was strong and there was a housing shortage. Some landowners decided to keep the land rather than to sell it to a developer in order to maintain a rental income for themselves and for their family and heirs through the you know future years. In recent years, however, as the price of land surged to historic levels, some owners of land lease apartments began biting their nails. Many land lease buildings pay the land owner rent based on the percentage of the value of the land. This is becoming a significant problem. So let's first explain the difference between land lease buildings and buildings that are on own pieces of property where there isn't a, a lease payment. And what really is the problem here with these land leased buildings and properties in New York City? Because you don't really hear of this too much anywhere else. And in this town, you know, we have lots of unique things like co-ops and now land leases. What is that about?
5: Well, I mean, the scariest thing for somebody, I mean, as as a broker, when I'm working with my buyers and they are asking me to find them a three-bedroom, three and a half bath apartment for three point two million dollars, and I'm thinking, in a condo, I'm thinking, okay, well, where am I going to find that for you? And then I start talking to them about, well, look, you know, it's going to cost you this much if you want to be in this sort of building. La la la. Then they come to me and they show me a listing in Battery Park and they say, hey, what about this? This is for you know two point nine at this price. Point. And I have to sit down and explain to them that if they want to go in this direction, first of all, even at the closing, they're going to pay an extra $75,000 to the city of New York um, because of the way land leases work. And then I have to explain a bunch of different laws and how land leases are. And ultimately, the most sticking and important point is at any given point, At any given point, the landlord can decide to up the land lease, Mm -hmm. and then that is what you're going to be paying extra because that's just how it
0: is. It's so surprising people even purchase these properties. I think so so too. I'm blown away by it.
6: Actually, what's interesting is (coughs) I recently took a a seminar on it, and I I really have to study up because I was so blown away by so much information Mm -hmm. that I don't off the top of my head remember all of it. But one of the things I did remember Mm -hmm. was it's not as if the landlord could – raise the rent automatically, many of the land leases have what they call escalation clauses. Yes, yes. they do. So <laughs> it's every and, – and that's what your attorney has to read. Every right. five years, they could do that. Right. But the one takeaway that I got, which mm-hmm. blew my socks off, was I thought, OK, if it's a land lease that expires in 50 years, it's not a big deal. Most people will be out of this apartment. But – what I did learn was, if you have a land lease that's forty five years or less to go on it, then you cannot get financing. Yes, the that's banks the piece, will the not the only lend. I know.
5: and that the other blew part me away. Yeah. And and to reiterate, it's not that they can escalate rents to whatever price they want. However. The clause that is really scary in all of this is exactly this. It is based on the value of the pro- the land, land. itself. Yes. Mm-hmm. And with such escalating prices for land in right. this city, right. which I know Nile has some things to add about sort of how that's determined – um, but, uh, you know, it's just incredible <laughs> that that's where it becomes really scary. So mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, and, so and also tax deductibility. So when you're talking yeah. about land leases, normally advantage. you don't have as much of a tax deductibility factor. I have one right now. It's a lower price point. It's, it's a building in Greenwich Village that's well known. And it's very popular because the pricing is so much lower, yep. substantially lower. It's mm-hmm. a studio under... Sometimes 350 Whoa.
4: But what about the carrying costs?
3: And the carrying costs for this building actually aren't that mm-hmm. high compared to Battery Park City and other areas mm-hmm. for land leases. I know Battery Park City, sometimes it's 4000 for a one yeah, bedroom. That's it what is. I it's say. insane. But this say. one's actually low, and their sublet policy is not strict. So mm-hmm. it draws in a lot of people. Now, what happens is, uh, specifically open houses, you get 40 people. And they go, oh, my God, a studio under $400,000 yep. in Greenwich mm-hmm. Village. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's right. a land lease. Oh. What does that mean? What's
2: a land lease? <laughs> <Well, this laughs> exactly. is, is the these, these are the points I actually wanted to, you guys to bring up because mm-hmm. what it does uh, do to the – the price of apartments is it keeps them much lower than yep. an open – what I call an open market apartment on you know free land underneath mm-hmm. because you can't expect to get market rate on an apartment, for example, when the carrying costs yeah. are, are 4000 or 3000 per month. Yeah. The other issue I always have with land leases is attorneys on every deal that I've tried to put through will kill it. They do not like land lease buildings and I've had zero success. If you guys need attorneys success. who
5: can really mm-hmm. help – and not hinder in the sense of educate, educate the buyer. Let me know. I do. I refer an attorney who lives in a land lease building.
2: Well, that's good to to know because I've always had major issues with that, major issues. And the other thing is financing, as Deb said, if it's under 40 or 45 years, you know, a bank is going to look at that and say, well, you know, so what does that do to the seller who may have to sell in a building? And they can't because no one, unless it's a cash deal, no one is going to be able to get financing. So there are all kinds of land. I just had this problem. A deal died about two months ago. A $3 million apartment and it's all because of land lease and it was yeah. a couple of other things in the building. But, you know, the attorneys just said on both sides this is just not well, going to work. Well, you know yeah. what?
6: I just sold – hopefully we're closing this week on a Battery Park City apartment,
2: mm-hmm.
6: which I was very scared about. I, I'm sharing it with I'm somebody very in my, my office. Riding. And not only are the Battery Park City managing agents <laughs> extremely forthright, they mm-hmm. will explain everything. Absolutely. they will give you everything in yeah, writing. They're they're very well trained. And then – I called – different attorney mm-hmm. – but this, uh, this attorney I know who specializes in mm-hmm. land leases mm-hmm. and also lives in a land lease building and um, he very concisely wrote out a half a page about what that particular building was about, why it's not so bad and then I added – I cut and pasted and added the stuff from the managing agent and it sold a lot – it sold in three weeks, which yes. I did not expect. Wonderful. It was a two-bedroom, two-bath. That's very good. Oh, all cash? All cash? What?
4: All cash? Too? No, not all cash,
6: okay. but it and and they got financing like wow. this. So with, you, with a, you know real, a regular though? bank, you've heard That's of. That's exactly
5: it. It's not about demonizing land leases yeah. or anything for that matter. It's just about understanding and educating your clients. And ultimately, you know, I'm not even trying to plug, but this is why having an educated broker who is experienced, mm. who knows yes. their stuff and not mm. just, you know, it's really vet your brokers, people, you know, and use one. Because the fact of the matter is, is there's so much going on in this city that, you know, this panel... And and other great brokers out there can really help you with. And this is one of those topics where if you buy a land lease without the help of a broker and being fully educated, you're going to make big
2: mistakes. Yeah, and
0: it's even aren't coming also? into play in rentals. But I think we're going to talk about agents later, aren't we?
2: We are going to talk about a few things, but first we have to take a break. Don't go away.
1: Visit Blue Realty Group.com. That's BLU Realty Group.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, real estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. That's vrocco at bluerealtygroup.com. Now, back to the show.
2: All right, everybody. We're back with our panel, Parul, Niall, Rachel, Ivy. And Deborah, so our next topic says when an online picture of a gold or blue dress, remember that, went viral earlier oh, yeah. this year, mm-hmm. the item was sold out in no time. In luxury real estate, however, web traffic doesn't seem to have a similar impact, according to a new report by Zillow. The online real estate service uh, listing service found that a lot of eyeballs on a listing will not necessarily make a sale go any faster. And this was reported by the Wall Street Journal. So my question is, what is to be said about websites and traffic to listings now it's kind of you know disappointing to think that companies spend millions and millions of dollars on websites, and we all know that our customers and clients look at our websites and places like streeteasy uh, you know consumer websites, but you know it's becoming uh, increasingly more um, noted that online listings are not selling properties. What, how do you feel about that? I think it depends on which listings because if you
6: look at listings out of the Manhattan area, I am embarrassed by the majority of those photographs that people take. Yeah, of course. They've got dishes in the sink. And no floor plans. But you know what? In houses, I understand why they have no floor plans. Agents out of town have explained Mm -hmm. it to me. But just get some photographs that want to draw people in. So these websites you're mentioning are national. So that's why they're saying that. But I think here in the city we have found Mm -hmm. that we even ridicule some – maybe rental units or or you know fly by night companies that have really bad photographs that wh- why would i want to live there you
2: i know? go crazy when i'm doing a rental search i go mm-hmm. absolutely crazy because the yeah. the quality for lack of a better word yeah. is awful with with pictures and, and and representation of the actual property it's really really bad
4: yeah, I think it's also funny that, you know, Zillow's going to publish a report like that, especially considering that 2 weeks ago we were talking about how how Instagram is like one of the biggest factors for for sellers now. Oh, mm-hmm. do you have it? So mm-hmm. does this report, you know, nix like exactly what sellers think about? And I think in our You know, panel two weeks ago we even talked about that. We said, you know, it doesn't necessarily sell that unit. Maybe on a new development with a TV star, it might sell. But you know, any other listing, you know, it's it's just a matter of yeah, okay. There's eyes on it, but does that equal a sale? Probably not. At the current moment, um, but there's something to be said about advertising, and I think like the you know the average Intangible. the amount of times you have to touch somebody mm-hmm. um, is like 12 before they will buy. So yeah, it might not be this listing, but if they see another listing and then another listing and then 12 listings down the line, and then they're like, oh, okay, who's that guy yeah. Nile? Every,
2: everything has to be represented for absolutely.
0: Yeah,
4: yeah. yeah. And I think that
0: the public has also gotten savvy. The internet, as we know, is a two-sided coin. Like, wait, we're, we're
4: not supposed to trust everything we see on the internet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh,
0: So I think the public is getting – the public is definitely getting on to the fact that people post things that just aren't so and that people – you know, I think one – if I could pick one thing, it's to embellish. The photographs look awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It's just like people go – you know, the first open house, whether it's a sale or a rental, people walk in and go –
4: Oh. This is it? So
0: (laughs) so I think sales tend to equal – I mean, photographs and a great representation tend to equal sale quick. If you walk in, and that was true. People are like, this has got to be, it's too good to be true. And you walk in and it is that. Mm-hmm. If you're buyers, the people coming are serious.
5: I think the trick is that photographs are supposed to be teasers to get you through the door, yeah. but they can't be way over embellished or you. embarrass the property. Absolutely. I think Thank it's you. about the goal of why are we posting pictures in the first place that I think a lot of people lose sight of. Absolutely.
2: Mm-hmm. Agreed. agree. Listen, I always say you, you're buying from a visual perspective or you're buying bones. Okay. And those coming in to buy visual are always going to be disappointed because they're going to look at a picture and say, say, wow, and walk in and say, yeah. oh, no, this is not the same or vice versa. But if you're out there buying bones because you understand floor plans, you understand space, you understand from a, mm-hmm. uh, a visual perspective whether the place looks like a wreck or not, what you can do with that yep. apartment, that's the, the successful buyer, in my opinion. But most people are not able to do that. They what's have all is, they what's have all the visuals.
3: What's also different in New York City is that the listing agent is always in the property – I should say 99% always in the property. So if the pictures are so amazing and then you have 60 people in the open house and people go, oh, the pictures are way nicer than the actual space. It's our job because we're there to answer their questions about amenities and transportation you don't get that. Nationally, sometimes there's a lockbox. Yes. And so pictures yeah. – it's a, just a different relationship Absolutely. completely.
2: All right. So on, on, on the heels of that, everyone goes into their apartment search with more – with requirements, no more than two blocks away from a particular train line. They want outdoor space or not, a dishwasher. But as most searches wear on um, – The list of demands become more livable and in my price range because they realize with the help of their broker that they cannot have everything. But knowing where to compromise and where to stand your ground can be trickier than you think, especially if you're trying to reach consensus with another person, a significant other or whomever is going to be living there. How do we as agents advise our clients to pare down that wish list and to finally compromise? Because at the start of everybody's search, it's the same thing. No, no, no. I have to have this or I need to have that. It doesn't exist is my favorite line. It doesn't exist. Well, How do my we line is our-
5: experience is the best teacher. Experience <laughs> yeah. is the best teacher. Go take them yes. out to show them everything. everything.
4: I would rather – t- yeah, I'd yeah. rather
5: show them 12 listings that mm-hmm. are all bust for mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. so it gets them realistic. Mm-hmm. And then you know when they start saying being frustrated and saying, wow, there's nothing out there for this price range, that's when I pop the story of I have a $25 million buyer who wants a pool? More, all he wants is a pool. If it's a townhouse, if it's a penthouse, doesn't matter what. And ultimately, he bought something without a pool mm-hmm. because even at that price point, he couldn't get everything that he wanted. But he's really happy, you know. And so, I think that sometimes it's just experience and then putting it into. It's the real estate
2: trade off in this town. Yeah. It, it, it's we're known for that.
5: Yeah. It's as we talked about week after week. It's educating your buyers.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: You know, and that's what a really good broker, like all of us, will do. Yeah. And the the way Peru will take somebody out to see twelve different things. The first time out with someone, if I know that what they want is unrealistic, mm-hmm. I'll take them to see three things in what they want in that category. And one that is in their category, but it's it's going to be different. It's going to be a different price point. Or it's going to be out yep. of that range, but I don't tell them we're going to go see yep. that. Yeah. And just throwing <clears> it <in throat> as the last thing and say, okay, we'll go back and see more. And at each showing, if that mm-hmm. you have that one property that is what they want but farther from the subway or mm-hmm. a little bit out of their neighborhood or something, it starts to educate them in a way that's not threatening because so many New York buyers want it their way mm-hmm. and that's how it has to be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And this way, it's kind of a subtle – well, this is what's out there.
4: Yeah, and there's there's subtle yeah. ways to do that as mm-hmm. a broker. For example, some of the things that I say when I'm out there and I'm showing kind of the broad strokes, like Pearl and Deb were talking about, is you know they don't want it past Second Avenue, right? They don't mm-hmm. want an apartment past Second Avenue. Well, you show them everything that's in the range that's west of that, and then you say, hey, call me crazy. I have one back pocket idea. Let's same go thing. take a look at it, and then Let's they'll the say same thing. they'll yeah. generally say no. And then all you have to say is
5: it's right across the street. It's right
4: across the street. It's always a block away. Yes, too, by the way, yes. it's like four. <laughs> But I always say, I always say, looking is free, right? Let's yeah. go take a look. Call Absolutely. me crazy. You can point fingers. Uh, I'll pay for the salesman. cab. I love this. Let's go take a look, and then you I get them this. in there, and they're like, oh wow, this is actually doable. And then it's, you know, then you have to talk to them about, you know, living in New York City is just a giant compromise. Even if you have an infinite budget, you know, there's going yeah, to be The pool that, that you're going to have to compromise with a twenty-five million dollar budget, you know, if you want the West Village, for example. So there's always compromises that you're going to have to make. And it's about I think that was the best thing that you could have said, Pool, just saying that experience is the best teacher and Mm -hmm. getting them out and putting them in those spaces. And you know, let's just say it's the two million dollar range, but you know it's gonna be they're gonna love a four. And then you throw a four million dollar one in there. Just like, oh, this is it. And you're like, it's $4 and like, okay, now I have to get realistic. (laughs) But you got to do it sometimes. Or
5: up your Mm. pace.
4: It's funny. We all minutiae it in our different ways,
5: you Mm. know,
0: fitting who we are. So I am the one who has, I have the initial meeting up front, right? And I'm like, everything you ever, ever wanted in a home, I want it. Give it to me. And so they go crazy, you know, cathedral <laughs> ceilings and light and, you know, two blocks to the train. They sound like on me. On a corner where I can get, you know, a taxi in 30 seconds. And I have a, you know, a small horse of a dog. And I have, like, I'm <laughs> give it, give it to me, give it to me. And rent control. And then simply, yeah. yeah. And then simply, I want your range and bring me to the, you know, of course, you're going to give me your bottom. And go also dream there. Because I'm not going to, I'm actually not going to take you where it doesn't, where you can't land maybe, in your wildest dreams. And I say nothing. I'm silent. And then it's cool because you go out and you show them, okay, in this price point, and with these high ceilings, you're only going to get this much square footage. And it's going to be six blocks from the subway. You know, they kind of, at the end of the day, get to see if I want all that light and I want to be able to have my dogs and I want to be close to the train. It's going to be a thousand square feet smaller than, you know what I mean? So it all... It is true. I'm just reiterating. It speaks for itself.
2: Parula, I have a question. So when you're taking them through the experience, and I Mm -hmm. agree with that, do you find that the buyers are getting frustrated because they're not seeing what they asked for, as Ivy just said, or it's it's not meeting their wish list or they're just getting impatient?
5: I I always say, um, you know, look, I see exactly what you want. So here's – So what I do is I first sent the listings to them and I say, look, here's the things that sort of fall in your range. Take a look. So it's about managing their expectations Mm -hmm. ultimately. So they look at it, they pick out, you know, the three or four places they really want to see. And I exaggerated with 12, but, um, but my point was I'd rather show them a lot of property, um, and, and get them educated. So, you know, they'll pick three, maybe four. And then I'll say, you know what? And I'm, I listen, the first time we go out, I am watching your reaction to a place. The reason why you are hiring me is because what in my experience what I've seen is the way you react to a space will teach me what really for you and what doesn't. And so where I'm going to take you isn't necessarily a perfect fit for you at all. It's just I want to see your reaction to those differences because it will teach me something that will help me take you to the right properties this point forward. So just know that the first time we go out is a learning experience for you and me mm-hmm. both. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's how
6: I And I think what's
0: most important, I'm with you completely, but what I care about most is what they will not live with. That's what I want to know most of all. I want to know what is an absolute no. And often yeah, people don't. But those don't, absolute but no's often, turn to yeses No, sometimes. no, but often people not Sometimes, don't know usually not. Often people don't know till they get in. It wasn't even that's on their it. list. And Ivy, that's what I was going to, to say. to an extraordinary place that has really low ceilings. They're not from Manhattan. They never even thought of ceiling height. And they turn and they look at you, one of the two, if it's a couple, and said, I could never do that. I feel like I'm in a coffin. Right. This place is gorgeous. But there, then you know. And no one's time is wasted. So I, those absolute knows, I've not seen shift.
2: How much time does it take to get through that process from start to what I call reveal, where they realize, okay, so my broker is right. This is what I should be looking at, or I've kind of turned the real corner. Buyers, How long, real, real buyers, buyers real usually two
5: times of like going out. Same
2: fingers are up. I'm usually two
5: times, and to to piggyback what Ivy was saying, it's about it's about understanding. It's about It's about, that's why I want to take you to places and watch your reaction. And I will determine Mm -hmm. what are your absolute no's because I will see you recoil to certain things. And Mm -hmm. then I know this is an absolute no. But what you, a lot of buyers, they think they know what they want. Right. And we all are like that. Mm-hmm. It's amazing in life. We're all like that. Absolutely. But what are actual, actual boundaries are if somebody is just stepping out of their own way and just looking at you for who you are, they get to see that, you know? And I think that's my job as a broker, to look at what makes you recoil and what makes you go, oh my God, and then find the middle and find the middle. <laughs> that's yeah. the most
2: exciting part of my job. We have to take a break. We're coming right back. Don't go away. You're listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel.
1: visit blue realty group.com that's b l u realty stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast all the time the number 1 internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com you are listening to good morning new york real estate with vince rocco All right. We're back, everybody, and we're in our last segment. We've got a couple
2: more topics to talk about. So getting ready to put your place on the market, even in a strong seller's market, and we are in one now, uh, property values as well as buyers' preferences are constantly in flux, and finding the right listing price for your place will take some research. Fortunately, technology is making this once laborious research process much faster and actually pretty enjoyable. How do we price property correctly in today's marketplace it's a big hot item and i will tell you i'll preface this by saying you know i had the the um not so nice task this week of firing a seller and because
5: (laughs) this is the topic this This is what we want to talk about (laughs) yes bloody
2: marys
5: (laughs) tell tell us yes
2: well because you know it's it's a there are thresholds in any any price point in any listing Mm -hmm. and this is a one bedroom and we were on for, you know, a very high price, and I told him from the very beginning it wasn't going to work, and you needed to be at this price. And so we had one price reduction and I said, Well, okay, we need to come down significantly more to meet the demand and the expectation of a one bedroom market in Midtown West, et cetera, et cetera. And he just, you know, wouldn't do it and started you know, complaining about well, the pictures aren't good enough, and I don't like the floor plan, and this number isn't right. You know, nitpicking every little thing that they can come because up you're with. You're the punching fault. bag because yep. I'm the punching bag, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I'm not marketing correctly, and I'm mm-hmm. not doing this, mm-hmm. and I'm not doing and he that. Knows better, and he well, knows better. Yeah. And what it always, always comes down to, and the point of this particular topic now is, it always—I don't care what anybody says—it always comes down to price. You mm-hmm. can have a listing that doesn't show well. You can have a listing that shows brilliantly well. But if it's priced incorrectly, it's not going to sell. Now, every once in a while, and this is what the sellers hold on to, you'll get that person flying in on some flying saucer who will say, I want that apartment because of whatever. And they'll (laughs) buy it pay for a crazy And they price. only
6: see it on TV. It never happens. Correct. Today's never conversation happens. is Correct. making me
5: realize that we are yeah. expectation managers. We Period. are total That's all. That manager. is our job. We're and psychiatrists when I, and expectation managers. And when I
2: felt it. like my psychiatry license was expiring and my expectation <laughs> skills were not working, I said, bye-bye. You gotta uh, go. That's funny. You have so, to know when to Vince. cut it loose, you
5: Rachel, know. on that topic. <laughs> so, how
2: do we price correctly? Go, Rachel. We're all experienced brokers here, so we know how to do this, right?
3: Yeah. I've. Oh, this is a whole show and we only have one segment so left. Young, I don't it? even it's know where yours. to begin. <laughs> I, oh my gosh. You well, got
2: the floor, sister. Go.
3: I, yeah. I, I think that there's real sellers and I think that there mm-hmm. are not real sellers. And I think when I meet with one, I always say, do you need to sell in 60 to 90 days or do you want to test the market? And that certainly gauges where mm-hmm. I'm going to go. A lot of times in this market, You're up against two, three other brokers, sometimes more, and a lot of brokers, they tell them the higher number, which drives Mm -hmm. the pricing up. To get the listing and so I find it's that It's buying the listing. Our yeah. panel <clears throat> we're all the same kind of we're dropping humans yes. here. We tell them the honest truth Never. and sometimes we won't get the listing. Oh, I don't. I'm saying that's what oh. the brokers are Yeah, oh, oh, exactly. Oh, oh. We'll, we'll do it for oh. free. But, you know, but
2: Rachel, with that, that. said mm-hmm. I agree with what you just said but mm-hmm. what, let, let's take this a little further. Yep. So when they are still being unrealistic mm-hmm. uh, because a broker came in with a higher price and you're coming in with a realistic price mm-hmm. based on your experience and your skill don't they understand and this is one of the other issues I had with my particular seller don't they understand that the simple thing called comps and comps in their own building really kind of tell the story?: But there' 400,000 dollars most
3: amazing property,, well, yeah, right in well. that category. That's yes. right. And look so, at how
5: well we've decorated the place, and right. meanwhile, there's like, you know, like plates on the wall, and you're mm-hmm. like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. But yes. <laughs> or they did
6: it 30 years ago, and we just
5: did it. Well we yeah.
6: just read the article
0: in the New York Times that the projections yeah. are – I like the know, plates I mean, on the wall. That was yeah. a major throwback
2: to whenever. Oh, yeah. my God. Or the
3: Mexican hats. The best strategy actually is pricing it 5% <laughs> below market value. That's the best strategy. Not every seller I, uh, is up for that, I used that, to though. do that. Yep. All
2: right, but I agree with that. So yeah. help me – help yeah. the, the listening audience understand help why that's su- – Why is that <laughs> successful? Yes, yes,
5: that's it. I Show me
2: the money! <laughs>
5: Get that's, me
2: to the Kwan. Because- <laughs> 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 but, but what hap- But what happens when you do that? I mean it's most of the time success, but they cannot wrap their head around it's the fact that you're seller. underpricing. It's yeah. not it's for not every, every seller. seller. No, it's not. But if
3: they understand the strategy in, and mo- most times they do, um, it goes at asking and above. And that in this market at least, that's the way to do it.
2: Absolutely. Yep. I, I totally agree with mm-hmm. that. But it's hard for them to, to understand that. Mm-hmm well, but you're telling me I have to underprice my apartment. And I say, well, but here's the strategy and here's why it's going to work. And by the way, you don't have to take a a lower bid that you don't want to take. You just don't have to do that. Speaking
5: of how the internet can be your friend. So when you price that thing 5% lower and people are on the internet looking at everything that's under the sun out there and they say, wow, this is reasonable and I'm going to go look at it. It gets them through the door. Mm -hmm. And the higher the possible demand is, the higher of a price that you're going to get. So Mm -hmm. Rachel's Strategy works beautifully. It does on the it right really properties. It really does. And bottom line is, if, if sellers would just get out of their own way, you mm-hmm. know, if they would only. Mm-hmm. But speaking of which, I think you know Rachel has a good story of when to fire a seller. <laughs> <laughs> tell, yes. tell, tell. But I think that a, a seller that's not realistic, who, who's
3: not getting offers in the first two weeks, it sort of feels like you're paddling with one arm, mm-hmm. and you're just going in a circle. <laughs> That's how it feels. Mm -hmm. And so it has to be a collaboration between broker and client. And if there isn't a collaboration and they don't trust you and they don't listen to you, then sometimes you do need to walk away. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard because you pour your soul into it. I know we all do. The good brokers do. But sometimes you have to just walk away. And then guess what? That next broker gets the reduced price and then they sell it very quickly. Isn't that something? And yeah, Isn't
2: that something? Because it takes our standing up strong and saying, hey, mm-hmm. this is not working for you or for me, they finally get it, mm-hmm. they give it to somebody else mm-hmm. at a lower price and they sell it. I mean I've only had that happen once or twice before, but in fourteen years. But you know, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. it's frustrating because we try to do our jobs right. And you know, if if a price is four hundred thousand dollars more than the last one bedroom mm-hmm. sold in the building in the same year, I think In the, this, same, year, in wow. the same year. I think there's yeah. a little something wrong with your thinking. Yeah. Anyway, the Hudson Yards Project, which will bring residential and office skyscrapers, a four-star hotel and 14 acres of public outdoor space to the far west side, won't be complete for almost another decade. But many buyers are wondering whether to move to that area now way before prices continue to rise there. So, you know, people have been asking me too, where are the values right now in that neighborhood and what exactly should they be buying and why? I mean, think about it. It's it's the West 30s, which is – really you know, a little west of the Garmento district that was um, in place for many, many years. A little years. rough. A little rough, but I mean it's not really a neighborhood. Any, It wasn't yeah. really a neighborhood. It was a commercial place. But now people are getting um, wrapped up with this Hudson Yards project that's really completely underway, but it's not going to be finished for many, many years. But a lot of my buyers actually – I've got one in particular who is thinking about buying there because he knows that the values once that project is complete are going to escalate and the value of his apartment or whatever he buys um, – will also escalate. So, but they ask me where exactly should we be buying in that area?
6: I think it all depends on the buyer and as long as they understand it may be 10 years until the values really skyrocket, will right. they be comfortable living wherever they are? For 10 years where there may not be a corner grocery store, there may not be the shoe repair or the fruit vendor and and you're a hike from a subway. So if they're comfortable living there and they think it's going to be kind of fun and they don't need to be near the subway – Great. This could be exciting. Yeah. But they have to figure out their lifestyle. I mean it sounds to me like the early
2: days of the financial district where uh, subways were always accessible at the financial district. But there was nothing else there. I mean it was all Wall Streeters and and not really a lot of residents. But Tribeca was like that too. And Tribeca very much But here's
5: the thing though. I think that – Brilliant investors know to get in before it hits. Nah. This is already, we. everybody already knows the storyline. So I think that first of all, it's not going to be 10 years. It's going to be five years because everybody who's a smart investor will start buying in that area. Before Hudson Yards is completed, but that's an investor. So, if you're going to live there, no, no, I just mean even if, oh, oh, oh. even if you're, even if you're just, in other words, if you're just yeah. a smart buyer, you know, yeah. like not yeah. an investor, as in like you're going to rent it out. Mm-hmm. But that's the other alternative too, of course. Okay. But I think I that the smart the, the smart, the mm-hmm. smart purchaser knows to get in before the bell curve goes up, sure. because that's where the value is at. And I think that that's you know, it, it yeah. depends on, and like you said though, it's will you be able to live without. Some of the amenities for a little while, that being said, I think it's going to be faster. and my guy years. in particular
2: yeah. is actually going through the same you know process. Should I do it now, because yeah. I know that the pro- the mm-hmm. value is going to go up, and can I afford to put five, six, seven years into a property before mm-hmm. uh, I need to sell it or move on and I said to him, listen, you know you want to raise a family, you want the bigger space which you can get you 're not going to be selling so right. quickly, so right. why not why make not? that investment I, my like answer that, is perfect.
5: Perfect. absolutely yeah.
2: Yeah. Right. and there is because makes all the sense because in the world. True. Is double.
5: Prices double in 10 years on average in Manhattan. Absolutely. First and foremost. So you already have that and then you have the Mm -hmm. second increase, which is going to be because of Hudson Yard. So I think it's a no-fail strategy, honestly.
2: I agree. And we have a lot more topics to get to, which we can't because, of course, we are out of time. So (sighs) that is Good Morning New York for this week. We are back next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific Time Live. You can always catch the show later in the day on podcast or anytime on our website, voiceamerica.com. For all of us at Voice America all around the world, thanks for joining me, and we will see you next time. Bye, everybody.
1: Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco, next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.